Hi, this is Denise Cooper, and welcome to my podcast, Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. I am so excited because I have started the new year off by completing my book. It's called Remarkable Leadership Lessons, Change Results One Conversation at a Time. And it is from my heart. It is my gift to the world. It is filled with stories of my life, as well as how I've worked with other individuals, whether they were private clients or I worked for corporations, on how they were able to develop remarkable leaders, what it takes and how you navigate the politics in your organization that often get in the way of people working well together. I hope you'll get your copy. You can get it at Barnes & Noble or Amazon, online retailers, or wherever you get your books. Again, it's called Remarkable Leadership Lessons, Change Results, One Conversation at a Time. And I wanna also shout out to C-Suite Network for continuing to host me on their network. It is the largest network dedicated to the development of great, remarkable leaders. And now, my next podcast guest. I'm sure you've heard it before. Somebody, an executive, an employee, an HR professional, is sitting there and has told you, I'm so sick of everyone talking about coaching and that I need to learn it to become a good leader. Heck, I don't even know the difference between coaching, counseling, and feedback. You hired me to get results, and the way I do it is my way. I don't need coaching. Well, maybe and maybe not. My next guest is Val Boston III. His professional background spans over 25 years in business and leadership roles, specifically with experience in human resources, sales process improvement, information technology, and telecommunication. Currently, he is the managing partner and VP for Boston & Associates, LLC. They are a talent management consulting firm whose practice area is pretty specific in inclusion and diversity consultants, cultural competency, and intelligence, executive and minority coaching. He has experience working in public and private sectors, and he is a certified coach. With that, listen in on my conversation with Val about why coaching might, just might, be the answer to reducing the risk of missing your strategic Well, hello, 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 everyone. I am excited. I know I say it every week, but I have some of the most fantastic, smart, brilliant people on my show, and I hope you agree. And if you do, please remember to leave something that lets me know that you're listening and that you like what we've got to offer. Today's guest is Val Boston. He is VP and Managing Principal for Boston and Associates. And I have to tell you, I've known Val for probably, what, 10 years, Val? At least. He was one of the first people that I met when I came to Charlotte um, and decided that I was going to go into this executive training, coaching, author, this whole genre that I'm in. And he has just been one of those quiet mentors that I've watched over the years as he has grown, but also how he's articulated this idea around coaching. And so today what we're going to talk about is the value of workplace coaching. And as I've done my work, I've heard a lot of people ask questions about coaching that maybe this conversation will help you understand coaching. What is that thing? So hello, Val. How are you? Good morning, Denise. How are you? Doing great. Thanks. Good, 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 good. I am so honored that you're here with me. 
let's just jump right into this. I know that you have been giving presentations lately about the value of workplace coaching. And in it, you talk a little bit about that coaching is more than giving advice and correcting problems. And I think what I find most often is that executives that I work with really don't understand the difference between coaching, feedback, counseling somebody. I mean, you know, those kind of HRE terms. Sure. What do you, what exactly do you define all of that? Well, thank you for having me. Um... First off, let me start by saying that um, you know there is some distinctions between the through the three. I think feedback is um, is something that we get and receive every single day. Uh, if you walk into a, a Macy's, as an example, and 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 you, and you can't find a salesperson, or you find a salesperson that maybe is not attentive uh, to your to your requirement, that's feedback. But in the workplace. Feedback is typically given around a particular response or behavior. Now, what's tricky about feedback is I can give you feedback, but you don't have to do anything with it. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, sort of, it's sort of one way. Okay. The same thing about, re- about receiving feedback. Okay. You know, I can receive what you tell me, and, and you may have good intention, but it's up to me to apply it or to do something with the data. Mm-hmm. I think counseling is more about giving one an opinion about something. Mm. And that's usually based on your, your experience. Um, when I look at coaching, I look at coaching as a uh, uh, more personal um, uh, experience. It's building a strong relationship with a person. And in doing so, you can, you can really get them to sort of peel back the, peel back the curtain. And, and really better understand who the person is. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, coaching is really about equipping people with tools to, and knowledge and opportunities for them to excel and to fully develop themselves uh, to be their best person. Mm-hmm. Um, I find with coaching, it's, it, is, it is a relationship. Um, I've, I've had an example, I had one client that resisted the concept of coaching because they were all that and a bag of chips as it goes. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, we all know took, those, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do I need you for? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, uh, what I found in this case, it took me about three months for that individual to really get it, that I was right. not the enemy, right. that there were some blind spots, there were some things that he could be doing better. Yeah. Um, and, and over time, uh, we had a, developed a very strong relationship. Interesting. Uh, another client who embraced the idea from the beginning, after about two or three sessions, he stopped calling me Val and began calling me Coach. Ah. And just three or four years later, he's, you know, we'll talk and he'll say, hey, Coach, how are things going? So I think that's, that's kind of neat. Yeah. But it goes back to the point about the importance of building those strong personal relationships. Yeah. So how did you get into this? I mean, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your background. What what? What led you to really be someone who's about helping people find their best space and be their best? Well, I had a long corporate career, Denise, um, various uh, general management, sales management roles. And in uh, 2000, as I like to say, corporate America and I decided to go in different directions, Mm. a.k.a. I got laid off, (laughs) downsized, whatever you want to call it these days. And it was one of those things where um, the sky opened up 
um, uh, there was a new sense of reality that maybe it's time for me to to apply some of these things that I've learned over the years for my own benefit. So I launched my own consultancy. Um, and initially was doing more HR related uh, training and coaching, I'm sorry, consulting around oh, compliance related things, uh, yep. uh, sexual harassment avoidance, uh, yeah. safety, yeah. and then got involved in coaching. And what I'd found is I was applying a lot of the a lot of the skills that I had used in in uh, corporate environments now on a on a more personal basis, one on one with individuals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was not that I and then then I decided, you know, um, someone's going to ask me one day that are you certified? And I said, well, maybe I ought to get certified. <laughs> I, I would now got my certification, yeah. and I'll have the credential. Yeah. So that if anyone would challenge me, I have something to sort of fall back on. Right. But I found that I found that to be effective in this work, and I think this is part of what I've learned over the years. Um, you've got to be an incredible good listener. Yep. You get you got to not have all the answers. Right. And you've got to be able to um, ask really good questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think the other side of it is is that you it's it you can't be invested in your clients' re- results more than they are. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it, it's really about putting out the question and saying, hey, you can do whatever you want with it. Sure. But you need to think about this. Right. And the other thing is when you, when you, um, you have the temptation, and yeah. I found this to be true in, when I was in a corporate role, you have a temptation rather than ask the question is to give the answer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you have to really be, you have to be aware in the moment Right, and make sure you're asking the question that you probably know you're going to get. What answer you know you're going to get, but but have that person say it out loud because there's something called transference. Yeah. If I have it in my brain and I speak it through my mouth, there's a lot. It resides. uh, um, I'm sorry, resonates a lot stronger than just simply having the thought. Yeah. Yeah. So I think absolutely, and the questioning and 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 being able to have really good listening skills is really, really important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, why do you think it's so hard for leaders to become good coaches? Great question. I think part of the challenge is that um, in organizations, and I've experienced this, if I'm a really good manager mm-hmm. and I've got a half a dozen people on my team, yeah, uh, somebody makes the assumption I'm a good leader. Yes. Right? There's a difference. <laughs> Management is focusing on task getting the widgets out the door, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Leadership is about inspiring others to do their very best work. Yeah. And I found that, you know, leadership is taking you where you didn't want to know, didn't know you wanted to go. Yeah, taking but you, you know, you okay. Didn't... Yeah, that's a nice saying, okay? Mm-hmm. However, if I'm a manager or a leader or whatever. And, you know, I got a board of directors. I got um, investors. I got peers. Everybody's com- counting on me to get those tasks done. Sure. Why coaching? Well, nothing happens without people. Okay. And if my people can be more effective and be more productive around their abilities to um, produce you know, that's one metric, right? Right. But how about the fact that my people are willing, are producing well, and I'm also developing them to be better better persons and contributors in the organization. And at okay. one point, 
they may be ready to take on more responsibilities. So internal coaching within an organization helps people bring out their best self, bring their best self to the, to the job. Right. Makes them more effective and, and, and more contribute on a much larger basis. So I'm going to be the naysayer in the book here, just a little bit. Organizations are flatter. So there's mm-hmm. not, you know, and, and ultimately every organization is a pyramid. Right. So there aren't that many places to go. So what's in it for me to be coached? Because sure. not everybody's going to get promoted. Right. You know, that's interesting because you've, one of the challenges we also face is the generational differences in the workplace, right? Okay. I'm a baby boomer. I've been in my company for 20, 27 years, and now I'm hiring my, my kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my kids come along, and uh, the, the misnomer is that they want to get promoted. They're going to leave after two years. Why invest a lot in them? Okay. Well, the difference is if I'm coaching that person, I have to understand that their career path may be very, very different than a traditional one that I'm accustomed to. Their career path may, could be much more, less vertical and more horizontal. Okay. They may want to spend a couple of years in accounting and maybe a couple of years in marketing, maybe a couple of years in operations as part of the challenge that they're looking for in my organization. Okay. So as a coach, I'm trying to identify who on that team is someone that could be developed across my organization not necessarily sort of holding them back based on the limitations that I might have in my particular functional area. So I think, again, getting that, understanding the person, that, that personal relationship and, and focusing on their career development that may be, not, may be very different than what we're accustomed to seeing in organizations, the, per, the pyramid approach, if you will, right. uh, or structure. And I think that's where you start to, to get more talent um, uh, or more contributions from the talent that's on the team. So, okay, I get it. And so you made a couple of comments about, you know, lateral positioning and developing in different ways. But, you know, we have biases in organizations about, you know, women don't go into operations or they're the caregivers or um, people of color are, you know, they need to, you know, I need to see proof. I need to know that you're not going to let me down. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear all those kinds of comments that are really just resistance to taking a chance on somebody. How does an organization, I mean, as we're thinking about building better performers, regardless of whether they're leaders or not, or in a leadership role, let me put it that way, where they have the role where they're responsible for people, product, or service, and a process. So how do we break through that thinking? You, you know, how, what would you tell that HR person who's sitting there and confronted with a leader? I, I mean, I'm telling you stories that I've heard and you've probably heard too, who basically says, well, you know what? I'll give Denise that opportunity when something opens up. Sure. We'll look for it, but nothing ever really opens up when what Denise needs is a role in finance or that Denise needs to go to operations or something like that. What can an HR person actually say in that moment that's going to cause that executive to kind of go, uh, huh? (laughs) You know, it's funny. Uh, in in this world today, what's the biggest challenge that HR has? Not recruiting because there's an awful lot of talent out there. It's It's retention. Okay. It's keeping the best and the brightest. 
and giving, as I said, when we're dealing with these generational differences and gender differences, right? You know, we all show up with bias. Yeah. Um, part of that, part of that uh, 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 leadership skills, if you will, is becoming totally self-aware and recognizing your biases, and know based on your respective life experience, you don't believe women could, should be in finance to pick to pick one, or operations. So we have to understand that, and then we've got to create in situations where we can test whether or not that's true or not. Mm -hmm. um, if I've got a woman on my team that um, has an aspiration based on, you know, purely based on gender, maybe it's generational as well, to to join up join the operations group, um, what's what's in it for me? What's my exposure if that person does so? Well, if I'm going to recommend that person, right, to move into that, I better know who they are. I better know what they bring to the table because my name is, is associated with that person. Right. The guy, I've got to spend time with that person and really know what they bring, what they contribute, and then I can properly promote them. That's part of coaching. That's yeah. part of helping people get to where they want to go, but developing them and understanding who they are. Again, I'm going to go back to relationships again. So, and, and also when you say that, there's a couple of things I want to tease out. One is your statement about we all have biases. Mm -hmm. I think so today the word bias has become synonymous with evil. Yeah. And you're right. We all have biases and bias means nothing more than preference, right? Absolutely. I have a preference for this. I feel this is safe. I feel this is the way it's going to go. I feel mm -hmm. this is what right is going to look like. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of being open enough to be able to say, yeah, I got biases. Yeah. And, and I, oh, by the way, I know enough about me that I know where my biases are going to lead me is an interesting question because I don't think, you know, self-reflection is one of those things we don't do a whole lot about. Right. Going back to your example of Denise, you know, I think she, she has said she wants to get into operations. We know that this is it, but oftentimes, you know, particularly the workforce, we're still in this pick me. Mm -hmm. And so they'll come and they'll say, well, I don't know what I want to do. You're the boss. You figure out what, where would I be good at? Mm -hmm. How do you help? What do you do in that situation? Well, if I'm coaching that person, yeah, uh, this Denise, I'm coaching you and you, yeah. and, and, and I think you have the qualifications, the skills you expressed the, the, the in your, your performance yeah. that you could do more than you're doing. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I, I sense because I have a relationship with you that I sense that I could be, I could challenge you with more responsibilities. Yeah. Then it's my responsibility, not just pick you, but to develop you and prepare you for when that opportunity presents itself. Not that I'm going to call my colleague and say, Hey, I got this Denise person. She's really good. Come and talk to her. No, it's going to be about you promoting yourself most effectively in the organization based on your competencies and based on your accomplishments. My job is to help you position yourself most appropriately in the organization so those opportunities um, can be identified. You said position her, position Denise, so that she can, in essence, blossom and show what she wants. Sure. How as an executive would I be positioning somebody? How do you do that? Well, it's about promotion. You know, but I wanna go back to the point about bias for a second, if I might. You know, bias, we all have them. I mentioned, and you said the word preference, exactly what they are. It's based on our experiences. Yeah. Um, 
you know, but about self-awareness and self-reflection, so using your term, are key. And that's part of who I have to be in growing and developing myself, right? Mm -hmm. It's not about coaching. It's about better understanding who I am. Right. How I understand, how I react, how I respond to, to various situations, very stimuli, different stimuli. So now if I know me and I know I have a bias against Hispanic men, just to pick mm-hmm. something, right? Then I have to be front and center with that in my head so that when, when there's a, an opportunity that presents itself and I happen to have a Hispanic male on my team, I'm not gonna have my bias lead the conversation. It's gonna be in the background. So I'm gonna give that person an equal opportunity. But back to your question though about promotion, Mm-hmm. If, if I've got, I'll use the same example, Miss my Hispanic male who's really good. I've been coaching this person. He's really developed. He's really de- accomplished in his role. Mm-hmm. And there's an opportunity for me to promote him. Right. Um, not promote him in a t- traditional uh, term, but promote him in this of giving him exposure. Okay. And that's what I mean by positioning. Exposure to my peer group that may have opportunities for him that may not be a good fit. The my peer may not know about him because right. he's in, on my team and he's sort of you know he's protected if you will. If I'm able to d- d- uh, talk about his ab- ab- uh, capabilities to others, mm-hmm. I think there's an op- there's a situation where I can position him to at least be um, considered for right. this different role. Right. So okay. So now we've got this idea that help, what we're trying to do is help people help themselves is what I'm hearing. Is that yeah. right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So as the employee, I have to come with some idea of what it is I want to take on. I may not have to, I may not know exactly what role is or, you know, what job in the company that I want to take on, but I have to, at least if I hear you correctly, understand that I am looking to do more. Sure. In other words, if I'm coaching you, Denise, yeah, and you know we have a strong relationship that we built over time. Let's yeah. just say it's the time that you've had tenure on my team. I'm going to know that you can stretch. I'm going to know that you can take on more. Now, what does that what taking on more look like? Does right. that mean you're going to be, you know, if it's a sales uh, environment, are you going to run a sales meeting for me once a month or once a quarter as part of your professional development? If it's a production environment, am I going to maybe make you a supervisor for a month or a couple of days out of the month to give you that exposure and then and, and get that additional tra- skill and training? Right. Uh, but but again, I'm going to go right back to my earlier comments. If I'm coaching you, I have a relationship with you, and that relationship helps me to better understand what your what your capabilities are and what your where your growth is, um, and and help you grow, get there, providing those resources that you need. Okay, so I'm coming to the table. I've got mine. You're looking for stuff. You, you know, you keep saying using this word relationship. Break that down. I mean, because I think I'm the boss. I'm the executive. I have a relationship with everyone. But there's a power dynamic in there. Sure. That um, keeps people or can keep people from being transparent. I won't say truthful, but transparent about what they want. And transparency is simply stating and making plain to other people, you know, kind of leading that, hey, I do want it because, you know, your peers all start talking about you like a brown noser. You talked about generational differences. It, they, there's 
oftentimes um, people who are in their 20s and coming into a company, they are, they've been rewarded and, and promoted and seen accolades every 18 months. And don't, and, and it's really for the acquisition of knowledge. They learned a process, but it's, we rarely recognize them in the 20s for the application of it, bringing new results, bringing higher productivity, coming up with a better way to do something. And many managers or executives don't really talk about what, when we talk about meritocracy, what we're talking about is what value have you brought to the organization beyond just managing the process or acquiring knowledge about something. It's how are you using it to generate more money, more time, better customer relations, those kinds of things. So in an organization, so I want you to kind of step back in the balcony, you're now working with the HR function. When we look at our leadership development or stand that person. Uh, an example is a client that I worked with a few years ago. And in, in those conversations and building relationship, um, I, I realized that one of the things that was in our way is they had a really toxic personal relationship at home. And the home environment was bubbling over into the work environment. Yeah. And that was causing that person to some challenges in in improving their performance. Right, it right. took a while for them to admit it, to become, as you said, transparent. Now, once we got that on the table, so to speak, and it was said out loud, and I could talk about some of my own life experiences and better relate to the individual. Okay. So if I'm the HR executive in this organization and I'm trying to identify my leaders that I think can be good coaches, right. I think it's about relationship again. It's about conversations. It's about finding out what has been their journey. How did they get to be the VP of manufacturing in my organization? Other right. than the fact that he had 10 years of experience in his past life in this space. Right. You know, just because you held the title in the past means you have probably the performance capabilities and maybe the operational piece. But that doesn't mean you have the people piece. That doesn't mean you have the ability to, to, to lead, to, to coach, yeah. to, to, to inspire. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, you know, leadership is about inspiration. It's not about motivation. You know, 90% of motivation is internal. My job as a leader is to find out what your motivations are. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, I can tap into those to get the best out of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. And so, so I'm, I'm, the, I'm that HR executive. I need to build relationships with all of my leadership, all the leadership team to find out what, what makes them tick. And find yeah. out if they can, in fact, maybe they could grow and become better at their jobs being better coaches. Tell me about a time when it didn't work really well for you. You, you know, <laughs> the, the failure of, uh, you know, could, a lot of times we present ourselves that, you know, we, we can handle any situation. And there's some situations that just can't be handled. Denise, all, they all work out, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> And no, we never fail in this world. <laughs> no, I one less than optimal. How's that? <laughs> one does come to mind. However. Okay, okay. <laughs> really, but I really dig deep. One comes to mind. All right. Um, I had a situation where you know, uh, for the listeners, I'm an African American male. I had this a situation many years ago when I was in another part of the country that was not real, um, let's say, receptive to what I look like. And I was given an assignment 
to, um, to coach this individual. And I never could break through this barrier that this person had about his bias toward me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went back to the, to the HR person who brought me in. I said, you know, save your money. This isn't going to work. I think you're going to be much more effective finding someone that looks like him. Yeah. Talks like him. Yeah. And understands some of his, some of his values. So I, it was, it was, it was a situation I was going down a rabbit hole and I refused to go. Yeah. I caught myself on the edge of the rim and pulled myself up. Right, 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 right. But let me, let me, let me, let me talk about a situation I think was a little bit in reverse of that. Okay. Um, um, I was uh, asked to coach a a young man who was in a director level in a fortune 500 Mm -hmm. who happened to be African-American as well. Mm-hmm. And um, he was doing extremely well in his organizations, but had some had some behavioral challenges that um, I found out go back to his childhood. Um, his dad um, was um, ex-military, okay, and had a bias, if you will, against white people, okay, and told this young man, "When you get a, get a job, make sure you never trust white people." Well, he yeah. showed up in the workplace with that belief. Yeah, we had a challenge helping him understand that that necessarily was was the case, and his behavior in in meetings right uh, reinforced it. Yeah, hostile. So, so he was labeled absolutely. He was labeled as the angry black man, um, and uh, you know he would go to uh, they go to lunch. He would sit at the end of the table and 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 never speak, no conversation. Right. right. They meet for a drink at the end of the day. He didn't drink, so he'd stand at the end of the bar and wouldn't have, wouldn't even intermingle. So I gave him a couple of tools, a couple of tricks he used. Like what? Well, at the bar, uh, get there early and order a ginger ale and a slice of lemon. Yeah. No one has to notice no alcohol in the glass. Right, right, right. And the bartender. Right. Uh, when you're at, when you're at lunch, this is not brown nosing, but sit next to the boss. Yeah. Or sit close to the boss. Right. Again, it isn't always about conversation. It's about proximity. Yeah. So one of the things that helped us a lot is he's a lot younger than I, and I had already walked the same path. I had already made some of the same mistakes. And right. after a while, um, he started to understand that I was not there to, for punitive reasons. I was there to help him get better. Yeah. So his numbers were great. His performance was wonderful, but his behavior was getting in the way. Yeah. Uh, of him particularly potentially growing and I, i'm proud to say that over time he did get promoted to the next level good part of it has to do with his becoming more self-aware right right becoming right. more better at coaching himself in his team yeah yeah because that's he could read other people but he could not understand where his thinking was coming from he couldn't he couldn't get past himself yeah. And, um, he, you know, he's a great athlete in college and, and, and all those things. It was, a, you know, good representation, if you will. Right. He couldn't get past this bias that he had bedded him, him from, from childhood. Yeah. Um, and he learned that that wasn't necessarily the case. Yeah. But more importantly, he learned better who he was. Yeah. And, and how that, he and how he could be, he could stand tall and not be, you know, judged, at, yeah. you know, not be judged based on his color and also not to judge others based on it. Exactly right. Yeah. And the perception, the perce- he reinforced the perception. <laughs> yes. Every yes. single day. And his yeah. job, his job was to change it, yeah. to change how people perceive him. And he could do that by changing yeah. his behavior. So we, we, that's one of those success stories. Great. Great. Well, you know, this always goes faster than I think it's going to go. 
Um, and we're coming to that point where we, we're, we're wrapping up. It's, uh, I'm, I can hear the groan from the audience. Wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> so now if, if you had to leave people with one or two things that, you know, either the power of coaching, how to be a better coach or how an organization can create a culture where it's value. What would you, where would you go? What would you say? And, and what would you leave my audience with? A couple of things. Uh, one, I think uh, coaching can be a learnable skill. Okay. Can be, but you have to better understand who you are and what you bring to the, to the scenario. Uh, good coaches have to be completely self-aware, mm. understand who you are, how you show up. Yeah. You've got to have strong empathy, sympathy, ability to humble yourself and to be able to relate to all levels. Yeah. That's to the, the part-time person or the first a, a brand new employee to the sanitation engineer, AKA the janitor in the building, all the way up to the senior executive in the organization. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you show up, you got to be able to emanate uh, a, a, a feeling of uh of confidence mm -hmm. um, and um, and self self worth and value. Excellent. So, how can people get a hold of you if they want to have a conversation with you and develop well, a, a relationship with you? <laughs> I, I encourage it. I welcome it. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, uh, Val Boston is the name. The yep. third. My email is Val three the number three at Boston and Associates with an S dot com. Um, and I look forward to uh, hearing from folks. All right. Well, guys, you've heard it. There's another conversation that you've got a chance to sit on the side and listen to. If you like it, please share it with someone because I guarantee that you will get something out of it, but it will generate the kind of conversation that deepens your learning, in this case, about coaching, because coaching is about a relationship and all relationships are built on experience. With that, it's a wrap. I'll talk to you next time. Bye. Hey, that's a wrap. Thank you again from the bottom of my heart for listening to this podcast. Please leave comments below. I'd love to know what you're thinking. If you liked it, share it. If you didn't like it, share it because I guarantee it's going to start a conversation that will help you close the gap. I want to thank the C-Suite Radio Network for hosting my podcast. It is the largest network dedicated to the growth and development of leaders worldwide. I'd also like to um, thank Ivan G. Hall for the music that you are currently enjoying. Hey, check him out. He's really a great musician. And finally, I have two other requests. One is please, please, please leave a review on this, either on Apple or Google or wherever you get your podcast. And the other is don't forget, please look up my book, Remarkable Leadership Lessons, Change Results, One Conversation at a Time. It's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble uh, in paperback, as well as Kindle versions. Kindle versions. And with that, it's a wrap. Talk to you next week. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.